you're, 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 you're listening to the podcast for all of the news, notes, and breakdowns for your Ohio State Buckeyes. This is Sons of the Shoe with Nick Wilson and Spencer German. We are back. We are back. The Sons of the Shoe is back. Nick Wilson, Spencer German. Hey there. Hi there. Hello there, college football and Buckeye Nation. We have a loaded program for you today, but as always, we are a new show. Please make sure to rate, follow, subscribe, and download the Sense of the Shoe podcast wherever you get your, your podcasts. And of course, today, Spencer, we start with the Marvin Harrison situation. Both the Heisman this weekend, and obviously, he is one of the finalists in New York City, one of four finalists. And then we also have to get into some of the whispers about trying to lure the man back into Columbus with a lot load, a boatload of NIL money. I guess we'll start with a Heisman Spencer. One, hello. Two, (laughs) um, how do you feel about the Heisman hopes of Marvin Harrison this week? Yeah, I I think... um... I think I'm at, I think I'm looking at it very pragmatically. Like I, I think he, he would have a shot if it were, if, if things had ended differently in the Michigan game, we've talked about that a lot. Um, if he, you know, if that last drive comes down to Marvin Harrison scoring a touchdown to win the game. And I think maybe that's like the biggest thing he's missing because I think when you, when you measure him against the other candidates on this list. I mean, Jaden Daniels has kind of been the leader in the clubhouse from a Vegas standpoint. And I I think he might be the one who probably wins it, even though LSU had a three loss season. Um, But like Bo Nix and everything that he did with his team and Oregon was on the brink of being a playoff team. And then Michael Penix, who the one quarterback on the list who his team is actually in the playoff. Um, But if you, if you take away just like the statistical aspects of it, which yeah, that matters. But if you, if you look at it as the Heisman being like an MVP award, essentially for college football, who was the most valuable player to their team, I think Penix obviously has an argument. I think Bo Nix obviously has an argument. I think Jaden Daniels has an argument as well. But I, I think given what Ohio State had a quarterback this year with, with Kyle McCord, the limitations that he presented, you'd be hard-pressed to tell me that there wasn't a player who meant more to their team's success than Marvin Harrison Jr. did, especially when you include other factors, Nick, like – the fact that Travion Henderson, who could be a Heisman candidate in his own right if he had been healthy all season, was hurt for long stretches of the season, and that put even more weight on Marvin Harrison Jr. to kind of carry this offense. So I think if you if you strip it down to like that argument, and I understand you're never going to just use one one side of the conversation wholly. There's other things that are that are that it's a puzzle, and there's multiple pieces that all kind of fit together to decide who the Heisman is, and the stats are part of it. Um, but if you if you just stripped it down to like who was the most important to their team, I you'd be hard pressed to tell me that Marvin Harrison Jr. wasn't wasn't maybe at the top of that list. Yeah, well, I, you know it's funny is you mentioned Kyle McCord and how uh, Kyle McCord could have potentially held Marvin Harrison Jr. back. I actually think that is the case. I think I think Kyle's limitations. Um, not not just uh, uh, Marvin, but but Stover and Emeka. Obviously, Emeka had the injury holding him back as well. But like, yeah, I I. But what's funny is I don't think people who kind of vaguely watched Kyle McCord think that Kyle McCord was that bad. And I think I actually think that no. held 
Marvin back. I, I think people looked at the stats of Kyle McCord and they didn't really watch the play. You know, like they explained away McCord's <clears throat> issues, struggles, whatever you want to call that, middle of the road performance by saying, well, but he didn't really turn the ball over a lot and he had some touchdowns and, you know, this stat and, oh, the end of the Notre Dame game. And it's like, yeah, okay, but if you actually watch the guy, like, I think he hurt Marvin by constantly looking at Marvin and locking in on Marvin. And I think he put Marvin in a situation where Marvin had to almost overcome not just the coverage he was getting and the focus he was getting from the opposing defense. He's also fighting against the, the attention he was getting from his own quarterback who was limited in a lot of ways. Yeah, it's interesting. I was trying to do the math on this quickly. If you do the math on how many, how much of the yardage that Kyle McCord had this season, he had one, he had 3,170 yards, I think is what it was off the top of my head. And you percentile it out to what Marvin Harrison's contribution to that was. He accounted for like 38% of Kyle McCord's yardage. Like, like that's, that's pretty remarkable. And that's not even counting like the touchdown numbers which Marvin Harrison had 14 of them uh, McCord through. I'm trying to remember off the top of my head how many he threw this season. But either way, like I, I'm assuming it was at least half of that. He had – I got it right here uh, – 24 touchdowns. So he had more than half of his touchdowns too. Like that's that's pretty damn impressive for one guy to sort of carry this offense, especially an offense in, with Ohio State that this continues to bring in the top recruits in the country from, from a wide receiver standpoint. But he really carried that workload. And as I think about it more, like – the two most important players like LSU could have had a three loss season with any of these, like, you know, insert a different quarterback who's good, not maybe as great as Jaden Daniels. And they could have still been a three loss team. Um, I think Oregon, the offense they run, you probably need a very specific player for that. But if you had the right guy, I think they could have still had the season that they had. I would say it's between like Penix and Marvin Harrison Jr. For me, in terms of the, the players that had the biggest impact on their team's success. Um, so I think that's an important factor here. I, I, I do think the biggest thing that he's probably missing and you could probably make this case. Like I think this year, Nick, as I kind of talk about this more with you, it doesn't even feel like any of these players have like the full package of what, like, like there's a lot of years that you just know, you just know, like, it's this guy, he's got the stats. He's got the, the moment that, that Heisman moment. With this group, it's kind of like you're missing at least one of those things with each of them. And I think for Marvin Harrison, the one he is missing is that Heisman moment because we were expecting that to be the Michigan game, and obviously that didn't end the way that we wanted it to. So ironically, yeah, ironically, what you just said is why I actually give Marvin an, uh, uh, a minuscule chance to actually come away with the award. Now I say minuscule, I mean like 20% chance. And it is because like – you can poke a hole in any one of these candidacies. Yeah. And I, I think unfairly or fairly or unfairly, the Pac-12 quarterbacks will split votes. So it's tough for me to see either one of them winning. And and by the way, I, if it's not Marvin, to me, it's Michael Penix Jr. But, I I, but again, he plays at Washington. Uh, the selection committee doubted Washington until like two weeks ago. And, and I mean, also Vegas doubted him last week. They made him a yeah. nine and a half point. Under That's time. fair. Like the, and so like, <laughs> I think, I think that goes against both those quarterbacks and, you know, obviously Jaden, like, I'm sorry. He, he had the 200, 200 yard performance, the two 200 yard performance against Florida. I think any of the other quarterbacks we've talked about would have those same numbers up against that trash ass Florida team. But I think Jaden Daniels plays in, you know, uh, closer to New York City. 
And I think that's going to be the end result. But I think what's interesting about this, just to kind of bring it back to Marvin, is we know it's a quarterback award mostly now. And so that's one part of this and how hard it is to win. The other one is it's also a statistical award. And I think anybody who was on the fence about voting for Marvin would compare his numbers to Devontae Smith in Alabama, devoid of the context of the situation either guy was in and say, well, Devontae had X amount more yards than him. Devontae had X amount more touchdowns. Ergo, he didn't meet that standard, and that's the standard to be the Heisman, which I think, quite honestly, is stupid. Like, yes, Devontae Smith had one, maybe the most impressive statistical season of any wide receiver in college football, but what I would say is that just because somebody's stats don't look exactly like that doesn't mean what Marvin Harrison Jr. did was any less impressive. And certainly... When you then compare that, like to me, the precedence is who is better, Jaden Daniels, uh, Marvin Harrison Jr., Bo Nix, or Michael Penix Jr. And I would say it's it's Marvin, but I think he is going to get caught in both the fact it's a quarterback award and it's a it's a stat award, and his stats just might not be sexy enough to carry non Big Ten markets. Yeah, what's interesting too when you talk about Devonta Smith and the comparison between him and Marvin Harrison if you subtract out the three games, because Devontae Smith, he had his best numbers in the last three games of the season. Two of those don't even get factored into, obviously, the the conversation for Heisman because it's the playoff. And the other one was uh, one game that Marvin Harrison doesn't get in the, the Big Ten championship game. He played in his conference championship game. He had over 500 yards in those three games alone. He also scored in those three games eight touchdowns. So his numbers really are like right on par with what Devontae Smith put up that year in the regular season without a conference championship factored in, which he would have had if they beat Michigan. And then I think like that, and that's why I say like it, it would have been a no brainer that he was it if they beat Michigan, especially if he scores a touchdown on that final drive to seal the deal. I think it's his award to lose coming into this weekend. It just stinks that it's kind of turned oppositely because of, of how that game played out. I, here, fun sort of argument here. Is there a case to be made that Jordan Travis is actually the Heisman? Because the committee basically said that his injury is what changed the entire landscape of the playoff. Like they would have been in the playoff without without with Jordan Travis, most likely. I would not have had a problem if he was one of the five uh yeah. or sorry, one of the four finalists with that. Now the question becomes who do you kick out? I can I think I would kick out the guy that's the favorite to win in a lot of people's yeah. eyes. Yeah. All due respect to Jaden. Um, they were not, you know, one of the biggest criteria on, on, for this award is, are you in the national conversation? And LSU wasn't for 90% of the season. It started with the FSU loss, but I mean, then again, like every time they got back into that conversation or on the periphery of it, they had a big loss or Jaden maybe didn't have the, you know, the greatest game. And I just, it's just weird. It's just a really weird year to have. Um, a Heisman finalist, and I, I hope my I hope Marvin wins it, but I do not expect him to win it. And I and I I will not. Outside of Michael Penix Jr., I probably won't be thrilled with whoever wins it if it's not Marvin. Now, with that being said, we also have the ongoing whispers, rumors, innuendos, fake made up Twitter rumors, or sorry, X rumors <laughs> that uh, that Marvin Harrison Jr. and Travion Henderson could both be enticed to come back to Columbus with just enough of that sweet, sweet, uh, that the sweet milk of NIL money. And Marvin Harrison Jr. today had his pre uh, Heisman finalist uh, 
press conference and was asked about whether he'd come back or not. Here's what he had to say. And we'll get to that. Just one moment. It's coming. Sorry. Yes, it is. Well, that's kind of the one goal that you have, and I'm definitely blessed to be getting all the recognition that I am for you know these different awards and things like that. But I think I would trade it all for a win against the TN North and get to Indy and play the Big Ten Championship. So it's been tough dealing with it, but you know we stick together as a team, you know, as a group. We support each other, lift our heads up, and we just got to move on with life. Figure out how we can get better for next year and um, what we can do to get that win. Yeah, it's tough. So I guess I'll start here because I, I want to separate them out. I think the idea that Marvin Harrison Jr., who is as much of a lock for a top three pick as you can possibly have, would come back to Columbus. And it's not just about foregoing that first contract. It's really about you know moving that, that window for that second contract where he might be making $25 million a year back one year while also assuming the risk of playing in college football again. Um, no, thank you. I, I just think it's I think it's fan fiction. And I, I listen, if he came back, I would not only be shocked, I would be so stoked. But the reality is Kyle McCord is moving on. That is much telegraphed it for me because they're they're boys. And I don't think Kyle would would leave if uh, if Marvel were coming back. But it just doesn't happen. The finances, it would honestly, it'd be fiscally stupid and stupid. Fiscally moronic is probably the better way to put it for Marvin specifically. Travion's a different conversation we'll get to in a second, but it would be fiscally irresponsible and moronic for Marvin to be like, you know what, guys? Can't wait for the NFL, but I got to go beat Michigan. I think fans <laughs> think that way. I don't think businessmen yeah. think that way. Um, yeah, I think the one, the one part of that, clip we played and there was a couple other ones if anybody wants to go out there and look for his his interview um he had a couple other lines he talked about how like the the nil part of it wouldn't necessarily even be the biggest factor for him like the money isn't and to be fair to him i don't know how much this factors in but like this is a guy who grew up in a family with an nfl player like his dad played in the nfl so i don't know that like of all the, there's a lot of players who this is their out right like this is their path to making money and getting out of a, a, a bad situation where their family has none of that for Marvin Harrison. Like he's, he's good. Like I, I'm not saying like, he's just like, you know, living off of his parent, his dad's money. But like, if, if something were to happen and if he were to have like a serious injury that ended his career tomorrow, he, he would be okay. Like, you know, the only thing I would say about that is it, we, we, we use that kind of logic and I'm not saying you are, but we use yeah. that kind of logic for players, but we don't use that kind of thought with billionaires, right? Like, Oh, you know, he's content with yeah, dad's money. Like it's funny, like like Marvin Harrison made good money, but I'm sure if Marvin Harrison Sr. could have his son <laughs> make his own couple hundred million, yeah, yeah. I think I bet you Marvin's like Marvin probably has seen the reality of the NFL more than anyone and the need to get yeah. in there, make money before you have to get out luck, you know, very by true. injury. Yeah, very true. No, and I, I'm not trying to imply that like he doesn't want to make his own money or he doesn't you know, think about that. I'm just saying like, there might be other players who are like, I have to go to the NFL. I need this. This is my opportunity. I'm not going to stay and risk an injury. Marvin Harrison, that might not be as much of a factor for him just based on his background. But again, I, I don't want to assume I know what his, what goes through his mind or what his situation is or what he does or doesn't know or feel. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think for him, you're spot on with that second contract. I thought the set, the last, the last part of that comment where he kind of talked about, you know, we just got to go get them next year and we just got to stay focused. Like that's the one thing that gets me a little bit like jazzed up. Like maybe it could happen. Maybe he would stay, but I do think that's just the fan in me 
trying to come out and I'm trying to sort of compress that and say it's 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 unlikely. Like if if he actually stayed, I would be absolutely stunned that he made that decision. I, I think it's a foregone conclusion when you're that high of a draft pick and he's likely to go top two, if not top three in the draft. Um, it would seem far-fetched for him to to return just to, like you said, beat Michigan. And I guess there's the, the lure of like trying to chase a national championship with whatever quarterback they were to bring in. But I just I just don't see it. And I'll also say this, Nick, like, yes, the fan of me would love it. Like, and it's it's not even be – like, I have no ill will towards Marvin Harrison Jr. if he goes pro, whatever. Like, I, it's, it's probably the right thing to do for him. Um, I would love to see him spend another year here because I, I – similarly to what he's talking about in that clip, I feel like, man, there is so much more this guy deserved in college football that he's not going to get to achieve because of just the limitations of this year and how things kind of played out. Right. Um, and obviously it sucks that late last year, he missed a shot at the national championship because he got, uh, uh, there was the hit in the game against Georgia that forced him out of it. And that maybe was the difference in the game anyway. Um, but you know, I, I just think that, um, I think he's trying to say the right things because he, he strikes me as that kind of person. Like, I think he, he is very humble, for the type of player and skill that he has he's always just been that way he's very soft-spoken and he doesn't really make it about him even when it is very much about him in a lot of instances for this team and so I think like he's trying to say the right things and make it clear like hey it's not that I don't want to stay at Ohio State I I there there are other things that I care about here I just don't think that I can pass this opportunity up and I think most fans understand that too now, getting to Travion Henderson real quick here, I actually think there's a case where Travion might decide that coming back is the right move. Now, yeah. I think there. Now, you can say you can use the same contractual um, argument with Travion. What I would say is, I don't know where he's going to get drafted. Like, if I had yeah. a top sixty pick in the draft, yeah, I think Travion Henderson is a home run hitter in the NFL. But if the because of the injury, if the draft board comes back and says, well, you, you might be the 110th pick. Well, even though you have a shorter contract, a three-year deal as a fourth-round pick, the reality is that money you're going to make over that first three years in the NFL is absolutely something you can turn down if there's a big NIL package for one year. Yeah. And then... Because of that, like you can still say, well, he's delaying that second payday, but it's it's still like even if he boosts his stock to a second rounder next year, that's one extra year of a contract. I don't think that's the kind of thing that would hold him back. Again, I, I still think it's unlikely, but I could actually see Travion a little bit more coming back simply because of the injuries that uh, that he had this year, and maybe that could yeah. ding his draft stock a little bit. Well, and it's the injuries over the last couple of years. Like, it wasn't just yeah. this year that he was injured, too. Like, I, he has more to gain by coming back than what Marvin Harrison Jr. does. It, that, that's, the, that's the difference, right? Marvin Harrison Jr. has more to lose in the form of, well, I could get injured again, and it could be more serious, or I could get injured, and it could be serious, and then my draft, draft stock goes from a top two pick to maybe, you know, still a first-rounder, but later first-rounder. That's, that's the difference between – a couple million dollars. So, you know, that's a big deal for somebody who can go that high. Um, the, the opposite for Henderson is like he has more to gain by coming back than to lose because we don't really know what his value is at this time. I also I, I want to talk about the NIL side of this for a second, too, because part of the conversation and either of these guys coming back is that you're probably scrounging together with these collectives as much money as possible to convince them like, hey, come back for one more year. We'll pay you ten million dollars. 
I'm curious, Nick, like, is that even a smart idea for Ohio State? Maybe not so much with Henderson because now they've seen some of these running backs out of the portal. We know um, Chip, or, uh, yeah, Chip Trainum entered this week and um, Maya Williams is, is moving on. So it's like he could be the top dog and you wonder if maybe that's where some of these guys are leaving because they realize the writing's on the wall um, that he's going to come back. But like more so even with Marvin Harrison where it's like, do you want Ohio State spending the amount of money it's going to take to convince Marvin Harrison Jr. to stay financially to sort of balance out what he'd make in the NFL, if that's even possible, um, when you know now you need a quarterback? Like if, if that's where your head's at, don't you want as much money as possible to go out and get one of these top flight quarterbacks that's in the transfer portal, whether it's a, a Will Howard or a Cam Ward or uh, Dante Moore? Like, wouldn't you rather see the money go towards that than, than retaining Marvin Harrison Jr. when you know you have another loaded wide receiver class coming in? That is assuming that the Buckeyes are actually going to be going after quarterback in the portal. And that is is where we uh, pause for a second for our uh, sponsors here. Because when we come back, we got to talk about Ryan Day's big day today and what that could mean for the Buckeyes at quarterback next on Sons of the Shoe. All right, guys, it was Ryan Big Day's Ryan Day's big day today as uh, there was a picture Aaron Nolan tweeted out today that Ryan Day and quarterback coach Corey Dennis visited his home. Uh, it, it looked uh, there was there was like not quite ass out hugging going on, but, you know, there was that hand behind the back hips about, you know, half a foot apart. There was a clear bromance going on in this picture and. I got to be honest with you. I think this helped calm Buckeye fans a little bit because, you know, the, the concern is even if you get a great quarterback in the portal, we don't want to lose Air Nolan. So I think this helped not only calm the, the concerns there with, I don't know, one eighth of the Buckeyes going into the portal this week. And obviously one of those guys being Kyle uh, McCord. So it, it was a big day for Ryan. Look at that. Look at that. This could honestly be like if you took out Air Nolan, this could honestly be like a like a really off-brand country music band. <laughs> uh, maybe called like Day and Night. Right? No, right? I like that. Yeah. Well, but, yeah. Well, no, no. I mean Corey Dennis. <laughs> I said if you take Aaron Nolan out, okay? What are you trying to do? What are you trying to do to your boy here? I'm saying if you take Aaron Nolan out. You would make a, you make the band name a play of Ryan Day for the love That's of God. Okay, I like it. With, with, with that context, I like it a lot better. Yes, yeah. Jesus, you had my feet churning here. Now, it's funny, you know. Fred Flintstone um, driving the car over here. My like, good God, give me a dino rib for Christ's sake to, to pull myself out. Now, I do think this, I think what's become a conversation is there are certain people within the media, certain Buckeye fans, like high-profile Buckeye fans, who've espoused that they don't think you should replace Kyle Nolan. And that they look at, whether it's the Missouri game with Devin Brown as an audition. And actually, before we get to the rest of the quarterback picture, is that how you perceive 
the Missouri game? Because I don't necessarily think the Missouri game is an audition for Devin Brown for Ohio State. I don't view it as a – I don't think it's an audition. Like, I, I think at this point, Ryan Day knows what he has in in, in, in Devin Brown. Like, they, they did a quarterback competition. He couldn't – I, I want to word this the right way because it's not that he could like, like I, I don't want to be harsh to him but the fact that Kyle McCord with the limitations he has was selected over him and they did the whole like rigmarole of oh let's start let's start two quarterbacks for a little while and see how that goes and obviously it didn't go well and then Kyle McCord ended up getting like way more of the snaps by like game two and the writing was kind of on the wall for Brown so I just kind of look at it and I'm like if he couldn't if he couldn't get the starting job last year, you know, are we why treasure wheels or spin your wheels trying to and, and I get it, like it's a bowl game, it's different. Like he's had a year now to develop, it's a different thing. But to me, I don't think that the starting quarterback for next year is currently on this roster. I so just real real quick with that. Um, I don't think we know how much Kyle McCord's relationship with Marvin Harrison Jr. impacted Kyle McCord getting that job. And that doesn't that doesn't mean that that Devin didn't outdo Kyle McCord, but I can see Ryan Day saying if he both thought they were relatively even, and you know McCord the better pocket passer, Devin Brown the dual threat, I could see him saying to himself, "Hey, I don't want to rock the boat with Marvin. We you you don't think he'll transfer out, but McCord has more experience. He he played more, but he played better against Indiana." Let's just do the simple thing. And I, I would actually be curious to see how he plays against Missouri. I, again, I I think if you're Ryan Day, it's more of a, well, let's see where he is against a really good team. But like I don't know that there's necessarily anything he could do that would, would steal the job. But I mean, I'd imagine if that dude went out there and threw for 325 and, or, you know, re- okay, 500 yards total and had four touchdowns and the Buckeyes win by two tuts. I bet you that might give Ryan Day a little bit more pause, but I think it's it. I don't think it's just a uh, audition, maybe for Ohio State. I think it's more an audition, and maybe Ryan Day doing a favor for Devin Brown to the rest of college football, because I think I think I you could if if he went to McCord and said, "Hey, I just wanted to let you know, we're going to go get a quarterback in the portal." McCord pieces out. He could have gone to Devin Brown and said, "Hey, I need a quarterback." for the the bowl game we are going to replace we're actually going to bring in somebody from the portal or we're just going to give the job to air nolan next year but i want to give you the bowl game to showcase what you can do would you be copacetic with that given that devin brown doesn't have a lot of in-game experience and and you know the last time we saw me had the ankle injury i wouldn't be surprised if the kid mm. actually agreed to that so I think it's yeah. a, a 10% an audition for Ohio State, and I think it could be 90% of audition for somebody else. I think I, – I, I like where your head's at with it. The the thing for me is, like, if it uh, if it were to be sort of a let's see what he can do, isn't it going to be too late at that point? Because, like, Nick, like, I feel like if you're if you're going to the portal, if their plan really really is to utilize the portal – and, again, we don't know. Maybe it's not. Maybe, they're, maybe um, Cam Ward is going to be way too expensive – and they're like, yeah, you know what? Forget it. We're not going to do the NIL thing. We're not going to spend money on him. We'd rather spend it on trying to convince Marvin Harrison Jr. to stay. And or like just, a left tackle. <laughs> yeah, that too. And so we're just going to uh, we're just going to 
roll with that and start Aaron Nolan as a freshman. Like, I don't know that maybe that's the plan, but if your plan is to try to get a quarterback in the portal, aren't you going to have to have that sort of in hand by then? Because it seems like some of these quarterbacks are already starting to sort of find their, their next landing spot. And well, I don't but know you that could, you want to get you, caught behind it. Like I know uh, you Dylan still Gabriel's be... already said he's going to Oregon. He's supposed to meet with them next week. So if these if these dominoes start falling, and I'm not saying all of them will, but I think the top ones really will, then well, you're going to have to kind of know that going into that game. Well, but I think that's part of it. You, so even if it's just an audition for everybody else, you can say, "Hey, we got we got the hook on on Cam Ward." Why don't you go ahead and play in this game? We're going to give you the full time. We're going to try and put you in the best position. So I, I think, you know, the, the only thing that changes if you already have somebody on the line in the portal is, hey, why don't you go out there? Why, and he doesn't have to go, by the way, but it's just an option. If you play really well in the national stage in a beloved bowl against a good team in Missouri, yeah, maybe that does serve him best. And then again, worst case scenario, he sucks and he stays. So I just think there makes a lot of sense that 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 could really be kind of the play here if you're Ryan Day in Ohio State. And I, yeah, you know, I will say you had said you're you're certain that uh, the next starting quarterback for the Buckeyes is not currently at Ohio State. Now in this case, I know you mean Aaron Nolan as well. Kind of consider him already in the fold, given he reaffirmed his commitment. But I'm like eighty percent sure that the next quarterback. Yeah, I'm seventy five percent sure. Ohio State's next quarterback is going to come for, from the transfer portal. But I've heard enough people talk about just next year having an open competition between Devin Brown, Lincoln Keenholz, and Aaron Noland, and that, that I kind of have maybe moved off my absolute certainty. I still think the best move to make is go get yourself Cam Ward, is go get yourself Dante Moore, and deal with the repercussions of that as they happen. But I wouldn't be surprised if Ryan Day looks at this and, and really starts to think, well, I like Devin Brown. I think he's a worthy adversary for Air Nolan. And maybe he watched some Air Nolan tape and thinks the kid's ready to play next year. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's about a 25% possibility. But I do think yeah. uh, you and me specifically have jumped the gun just assuming they're going to the portal when I think there's a sliver of a path here that Ryan Day might have the balls and bravado to go with the three guys he's got and just maybe add another competitive body in the room instead of somebody that would definitively start over air or Devin next year. I just wonder if Day has the, what's the right word? Like if he has the time to do that, because we know like the hot seat is there and I understand that's more of a fan conversation than anything. We probably make a bigger deal of it on the outside of the, the program than they do inside the whole losing to Michigan and how that you got to win that game. And obviously next year, if you lose a fourth in a row, when that roster sort of loses some of its key pieces, that's going to be obviously even more concerning. So does he have the time to do go through basically what he did this year and do and hold another quarterback competition where, you know, this past year, a lot of the reports were really Devin Brown and Kyle McCord weren't really that impressive. We don't know who's going to win it, but it wasn't really great. So does he have the the leeway to sort of do that, knowing that the pressure's on next year? Does he have the leeway to start a a true, true freshman in his first year and hope that his season and beating Michigan and winning the Big Ten is all kind of resting on his shoulders? And I'm not saying he can't do it, but it's just such a rarity at a school like Ohio State and also other places 
to see a guy start as a true freshman that I don't know that that's where they're going to put their stock necessarily, which is why I think the portal is the answer. And that's also why you mentioned Cam Ward and Dante Moore. We talked last episode about like those two and just kind of the context of whichever one comes, how that plays out with the rest of the quarterback room and the guys you have coming in next. Cam Ward, I think makes the most sense if you were to go get like, if you were to go big, big game hunting and get one, because he almost will be a, 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 smooth transitioning one and pro one year in and then going pro where then you can then pass the torch on to air Nolan in that second year. And he sort of takes the reins. So that's why I'm kind of intrigued by that option. But yeah, I just don't know that Ryan day. I, listen, I think there's probably more trust than what we imagine on the outside. Like I mentioned, but I don't know that he can go through the whole like quarterback competition and just entrust that a freshman is, is the key to it all next year to beat Michigan and all these other things that he has pressure on him for. Well, and what I would say real quick is I think what might make the situation fluid is if we've all misread the situation with the transfer portal. Like there's like one player that has entered the portal that when I saw it, I kind of winced a little bit, and that was Chip Trainum. Now, Ohio yeah. State has a big recruit coming in. Dallas Hayden looks to be the guy next year. Yeah. And there's uh, uh, Travis Etienne's brother, um, Ohio State's one of the teams in the, the, the gunning and the running for his services in the portal. So all that being said, if we've misread the portal activity, it might just be like, I think it's it's likely just these guys were not dead weight, but they hadn't been productive enough. And this was Ryan day showing initiative by telling these guys, Hey, you're probably not in the plans next year or significant plans. But if I misread that him going to meet air Nolan today could have been about him trying to pull guys back from the portal or him trying to show a commitment to the future at quarterback to try and keep guys on the line recruiting wise, both from high school and in the portal. That that's another reason why I took it from 0% chance that air Devin and Lincoln were going to, going to just be the three quarterbacks that battled for the, the job next year. Just the idea of maybe Ryan day, the second Kyle went into the portal, maybe he misread the reaction in the room, in the program. I don't know. Again, I don't know, but I just think that's kind of another way to think about it, that maybe there is a little bit of concern, and that's why Ryan Day made a show of it to go see Aaron Nolan today. I did think the timing was was key. Mm-hmm. A couple of days after Kyle McCord go, goes into the portal, you got people panic mode talking about how this is this is all new for the program and it's all going it's all going up in flames. It's all going to hell in a handbasket programs folding all these different narratives that are out there because people are worried about the, all, the, all the guys entering the transfer portal and like we talked about the other day my stance on it is i think this is just college football reality in 2023 um and you gotta you gotta just know the portal is going to be there the other thing too i don't know that we hit on this for the number of guys that go into the portal and i saw the numbers yesterday um uh, i think it was like oh there's like oh like 1100 people have already entered the portal or something like that which was a record for the first like couple days or whatever. And guys, remember like there's only like maybe 50% of those players that actually find a new landing spot. So it's not, like that. That's the other thing is a lot of this is like guys getting bad advice. Like, Oh, you can go somewhere else and start. And then they actually go somewhere else and they realize they're in the same situation. They were already in maybe a worse situation than they were already in too. So there's no saying that some of these guys maybe don't come back or realize like the situations that are out there aren't as good as they were going to have or whatever. So it's it's something that's supposed to play out, but yeah, I mean, I I I think the timing was strategic and 
day sort of showing, you know, there's, there's still this um, united front in terms of the guys that are coming in and they're still building things in the right direction. And there's still reason for guys to want to be committed to the program. So while we're on this topic, you and I have been salivating Cam Ward, Dante Moore, previously Dylan oh, Gabriel. Todd uh, Dirty D- to me, Nick, yes. DJ Uyunglele. <laughs> um, and yet, I had Pete Futek of College Football News, one of the great college football writers and analysts out there. He was on my show, The Afternoon Drive, earlier today. And he's on a crusade. He's on a mission from God to warn college football fans about the perils of going into the portal for a quarterback. This this clip's a little long here, but we're going to react to it on the back end here. Here's Pete. It sounds good, you know, because, okay, Jaden Daniels is probably going to win the Heisman, and he's a transfer, and Michael Penix is a transfer, and, you know, Joe Burrow was a transfer. And all. But in general, you got to still build these things. You still need a base of players who want to come to your school, and you can't just build – you can't, as we've learned, you can't really build the lines through the transfer portal. You've got to you've got to homegrown and build up your offensive front. Defensive guys are always hit or miss when it comes to the transfer portal. So it sounds shiny when you have all these quarterbacks and uh, top receivers and all that kind of stuff. But look, look at the uh, the college football playoff era. You know, look who are, who have been the the transfer portal quarterbacks who've won a national championship. Burrow, and he was not Joe Burrow when he left Ohio State for LSU. You know, that took a year or so. So in the portal, he would not have fetched a gajillion dollars like today's quarterbacks are asking for if it was LSU. The other guy was Jacob Coker for, you know, kind of a Florida State, you know, cast off who just sort of found his way into the Alabama system. That's it. Everyone else has been like homegrown. Stetson Bennett, uh, you know, right on down the line. And this year, it's probably going to be J.J. McCarthy or Jalen Milrow, who were original recruits for their original school. So, uh, the idea of the transfer portal sounds flashy and fun, but in the reality is if you want to win national championship, you, know, you still got to have the program in place to get the guys in the recruiting classes to, to build it up. It sounds good, you know, because, okay, Jaden Daniels is probably going to win the Heisman. So, so I think as we have this conversation, there's a few things to be said here. I actually fully agree with the overall idea that Pete is espousing. And I think we have two extremes to look at. You know, the all-portal team, which is Deion Sanders in Colorado this year, and they won, was it was it four games? And now, again, that's the extreme, but that's year <laughs> one. He really didn't prioritize player development, and he still went out there and just won four games. And I think the other, the no-portal, is Davo Sweeney. And so I do think, you know, I I think teams that are really intelligent and really patient in the portal and really go out and get their guys, but understand that you're not going to build the whole team that way. I think that's the best way to build a program. Before we even get to quarterbacks, I just want to get your thought on that because I I think you look at the extremes and neither extreme is working right now. I agree. Um, I, I think, and we've talked about this already, but I, you know, I, my standpoint on it is, this is just the reality of college football in 2023. If you're if you're swearing off the portal, I think you're doing it wrong because you're there's going to be talented players out there that you could bring into your program and they could really hit or spark for you and be a key contributor. You can't just ignore it entirely. But on the flip side of that, I, I think, yeah, if you're just banking on every year, we're going to turn the roster over with portal guys and it's going to all pan out, 
then I think that's also misguided as well. I think it's about, and, and you know, what's funny, Nick, like you can relate this exactly to the NFL every year in March when free agency opens, they always th- they throw that graphic up there on ESPN and all these other places, how much money, like the team that spent the most money in free agency. And every year the conversation is about how the team that spends the most in free agency, it doesn't usually equal a deep playoff run or a Super Bowl run or anything like that. So I, I think it's very comparable where if you're just going out and you're spending like drunken sailors, like, oh, we got all this NIO money. Let's just get all the portal guys and build this super team. It takes more than that to just go out and win a national championship. So I agree. you got to be strategic about the positions you're addressing and who you're bringing in. Now, I do think where I, I differ with Pete is I think Pete is using, you know, he used Joe Burrow as a guy yeah. from the, the you know, not necessarily even the transfer portal who just transferred. Um, he mentioned Jacob Coker. Like those guys were pre-portal guys. I think there is a danger in in looking at it, what has won historically, which is, home, oh, by the way, he, uh, Justin Fields didn't win a national championship, but he was in the national title game. I think there's a danger in looking at the last 10 years and forecasting that for the next Agreed. 10 years. Agreed. This, and this is the exact same place I was going with this too. I, I, I think we can, we can't, we can look back and say, well, this is what worked in the past, but I mean, face it, Nick, look how much has changed in college football just within the last year. I mean, the, the 12 team playoff has come in. The NIL stuff is a real thing now. Like I, we can't sit here and say that it doesn't work just because the last 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years tell us, Oh, there's, you know, there's not a lot of outcomes with where a transfer portal quarterback or this transfer portal player turns into some superstar and they go on some title run because we just don't have the evidence to see it yet because it wasn't as big of a deal up until this point. So, so I'm right there with you. Like, I don't know that we have the empirical evidence to prove that it's not a method towards winning just yet. Well, and I think what, what I think can have considerable impact is what happens this year. If Jaden Daniels wins the Heisman, transfer portal quarterback and Michael Penix or Bo Nix is the guy hoisting the the national championship trophy. I think those are the kind of things that one can open up the eyes to the non-believers in the portal like uh, Dabo Sweeney. And I think it can also like if you're a young quarterback sitting somewhere, and I think a lot of guys are pretty heady. You know, Brock Vandegrift just went to Ken- uh, Kentucky. Obviously Kyle McCord, who was the starter, hopped into the portal at, at the, but I think I think both coaches and players, I think it's going to really open up the idea. The more quarterbacks you see go new places and succeed and win the Heisman, be in the playoffs, win a national championship, I think it is going to act as an advertisement for it. So all this being said, like the one thing that I think Pete really gets right is you have to know the player. You have to really be confident that the player fits what you want to do. You know, like Kyle McCord going to Nebraska, man, I, I I love Kyle McCord. I want him to be successful. I like Matt Rule. I, I I covered him and got the chance to to know him just a skosh in, in Charlotte when he was in the NFL. He's a great guy. I think he's a great college coach. Maybe not in the NFL, but a great college coach. But like, I look at that and I'm like thinking of fit. You've got a unmobile quarterback, a non-mobile quarterback in a system that I mean, the entirety of the time that Matt Rule's been in college, he's been a dual threat with emphasis on running quarterback. So that's a scenario where it's like, well, does he really fit what they do? And do they have the guys to change around him? Like how much do you have to change around him and swap out pieces to to fit it around him? 
And so yeah. like, that's a scenario where I'm like, man, I like both parties, but do they, is, does the marriage make sense? And that honestly is not a concern I have for Ryan, because if you look at it, one, Ryan has conformed his offense to what he has. Justin Fields and C.J. Stroud, two very different quarterbacks. Dwayne Haskins and Justin Fields, two different quarterbacks. C.J. to to Kyle are very different quarterbacks. Maybe not very, but are different enough quarterbacks. So he's conformed his system to the quarterback, and not just that. This is a dude who I think understands how to get the most out of that player. I think he did get the most out of Kyle, even if it wasn't enough to beat Michigan and enough to win the Big Ten and go to the playoffs. Yeah, no, I agree, and I I think – it's funny because the the I don't know I just like I said I just don't think we have the evidence yet to prove that it doesn't work um, and so I, I think there's there's sort of it, it's being a, it's a story that has yet to unfold or yet to tell us like whether or not it can work I also think it puts the onus on these coaches as you talk about fit and you know what quarterback's going to fit what you're trying to do and getting the most out of that guy you got to really know and it, it's all just kind of recruiting just a different version of it because it's a guy who's already played in college but you got to really know you're getting the right guy like this is where almost what we the stuff we make fun of at the the nfl combine comes into play because it's like you're finding out about who the how this guy really was as a teammate like oh yeah did you like him as a teammate did you not like him as a teammate that type of stuff to kind of get a sense of will he fit with our program especially if it's a guy that like there's certain guys you might have recruited in high school who are in the portal and then you're like okay we know this guy is going to work for us there's other guys I don't like. I don't think. Ohio, I don't think Ohio State was really interested in Cam Ward when he came out of high school. So it's like you got to kind of learn about him and understand if he's actually going to fit with what you're trying to do. And if he does, then yeah, go for it. But I think that's going to be a key element of this, which again is very NFL esque, where you're not only looking for guys that have skills, but are also looking for guys that fit your schemes, fit what you're trying to do. The other interesting thing too is with the with the transfer portal guys. You have two quarterbacks in the playoff right now who are who are transfer portal products. You have Quinn Ewers, who unfortunately for all of us transferred from Ohio State to Texas, and obviously you have Penix who transferred from Indiana, and he's a Heisman finalist. So yeah, I, I think like in both instances, like if one of those two teams is in the national championship game, you mentioned Justin Fields getting there several years ago. You mentioned obviously Joe Burrow as Pete did winning it. Like there's there's starting to be more evidence that it can happen that way even if there are things you do have to build homegrown, like your offensive line or some other places. And also, I think you, you pointed at the idea of a, uh, a a portal combine. I don't hate that. I don't know how you do it, given the timing <laughs> of everything. But And I'm not just here for the underwear Olympics. I mean, like, just more of the the personal side and, and players getting to know coaches and vice versa. Instead of right now, which is a very um, – a little bit more of a crude marketplace and maybe not best for the player and the team. All right, guys, we got one segment to go. Of course, we got to get to the Michigan panic meter and whether it's impacted by the big news surrounding Jim Harbaugh. That's next. But first, a word from our sponsor. It is time, that time of the show, where we look at the Michigan panic meter. Mine has remained unfazed this week. I still remain light scarlet. Um, I There are some things that could impact it, including the, the, the Harbaugh news, which we'll get to in a second. But right now, I have not cooled off anymore about the loss, and there's nothing 
that uh, that has happened. No new quarterback. As soon as uh, white smoke billows from the plumes of Ohio <laughs> Stadium, I'll probably go full gray if it's Cam Ward. How about you, bud? I'm actually going to keep this up here on the screen because for our our viewing audience rather than our listening audience, because I'm going with uh, I'm, I'm moving just into the the light scarlet um with you because of the story that we're about to talk about here coming up regarding Jim Harbaugh because I think that is the only thing that kind of derails the thought process that okay next year will just be a cakewalk for Ryan Day anyway and that'll kind of get things back on track for him and for the program in terms of the beating Michigan storyline and all these different things is if Harbaugh returns because he just feels this resounding sense of well, Michigan backed me finally, and now we're all in this together, singing "Kumbaya" and eating ice cream out of the out of the pint jar. Um, I, like if if that's if that's kind of the thought process there, and he just thinks that he can keep beating up on Ryan Day, then that does make me a little bit nervous. But um, so yeah, I'm gonna join you in the scarlet a little bit after I spent a couple of days basking in the the glow of that video where they clearly didn't want to play Alabama in the first round of playoff. Can Can I also <laughs> tell you though? Um, yeah, Dante Moore. There's been some rumors that Dante Moore and Michigan have had some conversations. Obviously, uh, JJ McCarthy would have to go off into the NFL this year, but uh, Dante Moore goes to Michigan, and you get Cam Ward. It, I could have a real push and pull here on whether I feel panic or not. But you mentioned the Harbaugh news. Uh, we have another report out that a contract extension is still being worked on by Michigan and Harbaugh. And what's interesting about this is uh, talks have been described as still relatively far apart. And some of the details have leaked here, including the uh, price for Jim Harbaugh would be $11 million. And there would be a written part of the contract that he would have to uh, certify in writing. He would not go seek an NFL job this coaching cycle. And so I guess we start here. What are your thoughts on a on a Jim Harbaugh contract extension uh, in, in any of the things we kind of shared there? Yeah, I mean, I think the most interesting part is that there's the sort of stipulation that he's not allowed to, uh, at least what's been, what, what you mentioned being reported, that he's he's not allowed to pursue an NFL job um, this this cycle if, if they're going to give him this contract extension because I think this is set up perfectly – for him to ride off into the sunset, take this Michigan program potentially to a national championship. We'll see if they can get past Bama, obviously. And loaded roster. He was kind of always building towards this season. And it's a chance to kind of put the kibosh on this this era he had at Michigan. And he's accomplished everything he could possibly accomplish there with, with the resources they have and with Michigan being Michigan and now he's going to go back to the NFL to prove that he can do it at that level. And that's the thing, because you know there's going to be interest. Like, every year there's interest in Jim Harbaugh, and it's just a matter of him finally deciding this is the right situation for me or this is the one that I want. And what's also interesting about this whole thing, Nick, is that this year could set a record in terms of the number, the sheer number of job openings that there are in the NFL. We already have two. The Raiders are an option. And uh, who's the other one that just got? Oh, yeah, the Panthers are an option. So beyond that, though, there's already talk about Ron Rivera getting fired in Washington. There's talk about Brandon Staley and what maybe he wants to go to the Chargers and have a really good quarterback in Justin Herbert. There's talk about the Bears maybe moving on and bringing in uh, bringing in Jim Harbaugh and, and moving on from Eberflus. So there's just a number of options here that could play out. And 
for him to just sign on the dotted line and say like, yeah, I won't, I won't be interested in any of these would be sort of stunning to me because every off season, he at least takes a look. He at least takes a peek at what's going on in the NFL and sees if there's an opportunity for him. So I, I feel like he's going to be hard pressed to, to sign a deal that, that offers that. But I, I think the thing that, that maybe makes me the most fearful that he could come back is what I mentioned in the, when we talked about the panic meter, just this idea that Michigan kind of finally had his back on something after he took the pay cut and all these, like they were going to fire him if he didn't take the pay cut and all these other things. Now they finally came to his defense. It's kind of funny though, that it took a cheating scandal for them to then be like, you know what? This is it. We, we, we didn't support you through all that other stuff. We didn't support you when you were losing to urban Meyer and when the pandemic hit and we just didn't want to pay you. But you know what? Now that you're cheating, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. So we're going to back you now and have your back wholeheartedly and try to give you an extension and, 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 and five years and 11 million per year. So there are a few things here. One, if you remember, there actually wasn't enough interest in Jim Harbaugh. There was him basically begging uh, to interview like in Minnesota and where the NFL kind of seemed perplexed that he was calling teams about going there, which is where I think the, hey, please don't go look for one of those jobs. And the way I understand it is I was told by, uh, by Keith Britton that t- Michigan's okay if a team comes to him, but they don't like the look of him going to teams. And I can't figure it out. I mean, I know the guy's a weird knob, but like the reality is, he would instantly be one of the top 10 coaches in the NFL. And he's, he's proven that before with what he did in San Francisco. So I, 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 the NFL has perplexed me. Now I think fit is important. So let me ask you this. Why don't you, I, I think in previous years, there was maybe more interest than there was last year, like you mentioned, but why was it that like last year? Cause I, my big thing last year was I thought that for sure um, the, the dolphins were going to be in play. But obviously there's the the sort of conflict of interest with Stephen Ross being a Michigan guy and he's on their board and he makes some big decisions for them. So he wasn't going to necessarily pluck the coach. But I think really what crumbled that idea was the whole lawsuit from Brian Flores more than anything. Like I think there was, that was still in play up until that point. Then it was like, well, we can't necessarily pursue this now. Um, so I don't know. Like why, why do you think he didn't maybe get the interest last year and it was more about him pursuing the job? Because I think he's perceived as a major pain in the ass who's tough to work with. And I and I don't think it's just, oh, it's really tough to be his GM. I don't think it's just it's really tough to be a coach with him. I think it's he's really tough to have. And he's kind of a guy. Owners like their say, yeah. depending on who the owner is. Like he goes to Dave Tepper and Dave Tepper is like, well, I think you should do this. He's going to tell Dave Tepper to go F himself. So <laughs> and, and Dave Tepper doesn't want anyone to tell him to go F himself. Yeah. So I, I think there well, is. So do you think that means he won't have interest this, even with all the jobs that'll be open, like teams won't no. come calling? I, I think he might. Um, I think being in the playoffs the second straight year makes sense, but it wouldn't surprise me if this dude needs to win a national title to get out. I, I Again, I don't know that for certain, but I just think that's the kind of splashy thing that all of a sudden takes him from, oh, well, he's a good hire. Right, you can. I think you can trust Jim Harbaugh to win. I don't think that. I don't think he needs but, that. Oh, I do. You can't understand how NFL teams think. Like, but can't de- NFL teams just look back to what he did with the 49ers and be like, no. "Yeah, that guy, that guy takes you to Super Bowls." I Spence, want that. you're thinking too logical, bud. Because if teams had, because <laughs> if teams had thought that way, they would have already hired him. He spent the last two or three years begging teams, 
And I, I hate to put it in that way, but like he solicited the interviews, not the other way around. And so I think this is a scenario where it, even just winning a playoff game and beating Alabama, getting that, because again, Ohio State, beating Ohio State does not matter to NFL owners. Because again, most of those owners have no frame of reference for Ohio State, Michigan. They've forgotten about it on Monday after Thanksgiving. So I think being able to go out there and be top of mind during the hiring cycle, meanwhile, you're going to have trouble. The interviewing process for current coordinators has been pushed back with the new rules. So you're going to maybe have a window as a college coach where if you just won a national title and there's another week or two before they can interview the sexy coordinator, that might just kind of be the thing that gives you both the thing you can sell to fans, which is what NFL owners really care about. And then there's the obvious, you know, Hey, I can hire you now. I don't want to wait. And I just think it's interesting. Like I wrote down, like, I think it's really insulting for Michigan to put that clause in his contract. And I get it. They don't want him to be embarrassed. They don't want him to sign a contract extension. And then for him to go out, solicit an interview, get an interview and leave. But like the reality is if you have to even consider that kind of contract clause, then you should just wait until this hiring cycle is over because anything you do is going to look a little weird or goofy. And I'm not, and here's the thing, Harbaugh going out and looking for other jobs to me tells me, and, and I know he did that. And, and since then there's supposed to be this kumbaya crap between him and Ward Manuel. I'm not buying it. Like these dudes hated each other. And the idea that they became best buddies and the idea that Ward Manuel wasn't massively embarrassed, no matter what he said in public, the idea that Ward Manuel, who already had his issues with Jim Harbaugh, is just like, hey, man, people really went after us. It's not fair. The idea that he doesn't just a little America's bit think. team. <laughs> yeah, he, he doesn't just a little bit think F Jim Harbaugh. I think that's naive. I think we know how people operate. And I think, I bet you Ward Manuel would be quite happy if Jim Harbaugh went off back into the sunset into the NFL, especially if it came after winning a national title where you'd have the sexiest job in America, a national championship winning program, the perfect moment to either hire Sharon Moore or have your pick of any jobs, a la kind of similar to the way we've talked about Ryan Day in Columbus. I just kind of feel like there's going to be so many job openings this offseason. And maybe I'll be wrong and it'll only be like four or five and we won't be that as many as we're prognosticating here. But I think there's going to be so many jobs open that it's it's good. Like, like how far down the list of coordinators can you possibly go to find like to fill all these positions that could potentially be open if you're in the NFL without with without just ignoring before you just completely can't ignore Jim Harbaugh anymore. You know what I mean? Because everyone's always looking for the next Sean McVay or the next Kyle Shanahan. So they're always taking guys from those staffs and, um, you know, bringing them in to, to, to take over their program. You know, you got Mike McDaniel now and in, in, in Miami doing that. Um, so, yeah, like I, I think that's kind of the, the philosophy here. But I, I just I don't know if there's if there's really going to be like eight, nine, maybe ten openings. Can you really ignore Jim Harbaugh? And just be like, eh, we're not gonna, we're not gonna explore that whatsoever. Like, I mean, we talk all the time here in Cleveland. Like, if they were to move on from Kevin Stefanski, that'd be one of the first people I was calling if I was the Haslam, because we think Jim Harbaugh is a hell of a coach. So I, I just don't know. Like, it might be too big to ignore because that's the other thing with these coordinators. It's like you go year to year, and sometimes you're like, well, this guy's hot right now, 
but maybe he takes a step back or maybe it's the opposite where they're still kind of climbing, but you're like, I don't know if they're quite ready for that job yet. Jim Harbaugh is an, an instant plug and play. That's a guy that you know is ready for the, for, for coaching at this level. You don't have to worry about any of that stuff. So at what point is like, – what team is – how many teams is it going to take for one of them just to be like, you know what, we want Jim Harbaugh because we know what we're getting, and, and that's that's important to us. Never underestimate the hubris of NFL owners. Two, never underestimate that the NFL owners always want fun, sexy, something splashy. And Jim Harbaugh, I think, would be seen as a good hire – Jim Harbaugh, after winning a national title, would be as sexy as it gets, considering you could then sexy as khakis can get, basically as sexy as missionary sex in khaki (laughs) position or khaki uh, khaki position. That's a new one. Khaki position. Hey, oh, if you have to ask, you can't afford it. (laughs) All right, guys, uh, that does it for the podcast this week. One more time, please make sure to rate, subscribe, follow, download uh, our podcast wherever you get your podcast. Always. Uh, if you're watching on the 92.3 The Fan YouTube channel, please hit the follow button there as well. Hit the like button. We appreciate that. Uh, that does it for this week, Spencer. Have a good weekend, buddy. Go Bucks.